I can remember coming to that realisation because I've changed roles a few times and working in IT now, just trying to come to terms with whether how committed I need to be to climbing to the next level in the role and how much over time I should be doing. I realised that our role as parents is the most important job, I think, in the whole world. So any decision I make shouldn't be denigrating or, or taking away from that role. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with him. For this episode, we'll be taking some time to rest and recap episode five with Sharon Ward. My guest is Tony Brooks. Tony is husband to Cheryl Brooks. He's been involved in ministry through worship, eldership, and as a small group leader. He's a father and foster father to three children and has long been an advocate for the City Bible Forum. In part one of this episode, we look back together through part one of Sharon's story and discuss prayer in times of anguish, how we might prepare ourselves for such times, and what it is that can block our way to God. We look at how those times can prepare us for a kingdom perspective. Hi Tony, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing all your thoughts with us for this recap of Sharon Ward's episodes. Thanks for having me and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having something to say. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get straight into it. We're going to have a look obviously at each of the three parts of Sharon's episode and we're going to take a scriptural view. So we'll focus on some specific scriptures that Sharon mentioned in each of the parts. The first one we're going to have a look at is in part one, Sharon shared her journey with infertility. She described that as the worst time in her life, including her near-death experience, because she just so desperately wanted to have children and she was so full of anguish that she couldn't seem to conceive. And the thing that she said that really struck me was that she didn't want to read scripture like Job or any of those or lamentations or anything that was about suffering. But she didn't want to be there. She wanted to read fairy tales and hear good good news stories. And she also said that during that time she found it very difficult to pray. And so my first question to you is, as a father... Have you had experiences in your life where you have been so full of sorrow and anguish that it's actually been too hard to pray? Probably one of the most significant scenarios was um, when our daughter, Rochelle, had juvenile arthritis. And so there was there was lots of times we had to stop and think, you know, what's going on. I, I think more than not praying, I... I end up just going into solution mode and thinking that maybe I can get through this and forget to acknowledge that God is Lord of all. And so it's not until further into the experience that I realise the creator of the world's my father and just wanting to step in and, and help. So, yeah, I guess the, there's times when I'm feeling rebellious that that maybe I... Um, wouldn't want to pray, but more often than not, it's it's just having my own, having pride, I think. But I do agree with Sharon that I I guess I'd prefer to be looking at the good uh, 
something you know the the, the cherry picked verses that uh, give us the the good promises rather than hearing that in, in spite of it all there is suffering yeah yeah that's right i think the thing that i've been grappling with with this is that um i mean sharon was was still fairly young and uh, even though she had, she'd made a commitment to Christ early in her life, very early, where she had knowingly made a commitment. And the thing that sticks out to me is that no one tells you when you become a Christian or as you progress towards God, no one tells you that it's likely there will be suffering in your walk as, as a Christian, specifically because you are a Christian. And yet, Jesus is upfront about it. In Luke 14, 27, he says, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And if we look at what God did to Jesus, mm. and not just on the cross, but his entire trajectory towards it, there was significant periods of suffering. And yet we're always surprised, aren't we? And, and I think in some, in some ways we kind of hope we'll be the Christian that doesn't which is a completely <laughs> backward way of thinking, isn't it? Yep, it, it happens to everyone else, but not me. Yes, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that, I, I think that's helpful in times of suffering to remember that Jesus died for us. And, like, he was in anguish. He asked God, called out to God, you know, can this suffering be taken away? But mm. um, it's just hard to comprehend God and Jesus, like that relationship, how anxious he must have been. But he, he, Jesus went through that for us. Um, why shouldn't we expect um, things not to be right sometimes? Yeah, well, that's right, isn't it? I mean, he was obviously in horrendous anguish. I've never sweated blood. <laughs> I've never been so worked up that I've actually sweated blood. And so I can't imagine how he was feeling and mm. what he knew that we didn't know, we don't know. That he was going to go through and mm. yet he did pray didn't he mm, he wasn't right. so anguished that he couldn't pray and he wasn't even silently praying he was crying out to god that's really interesting well i was just going to say he was going through that anguish and and yet his, the disciples he asked to pray with him fell asleep like <laughs> maybe that's a picture <laughs> of of where we drop the ball to where yes when i don't go straight to god yeah well if we think about well, Job, for for instance, would have been in anguish also, but he still he still found a way to pray to God. But I've been reading Nancy Guthrie's book, Holding On to Hope, that Linda Chambers actually brought in her episode. She suggested it, and she talks about Job, and she talks specifically about the fact that Job, even though he brought his complaints to God, and he was very open and honest about everything that he was suffering, and and you know, asked questions like why and, you know, I wish I'd never been born and was quite upfront about it. She says that he never committed the sin of blaming God. And mm. I think obviously Jesus would never have done that either because he he would have understood, as, as Nancy, Nancy Guthrie puts forward, that there is suffering with purpose. What do you think about that? Well, of I actually um, googled once uh, theology of suffering because I, I thought it seems so integral to our experience. Like, who doesn't meet suffering at some stages of their life? Mm. And I've had some, I think, some of the one of the worst 
times in my life was uh, death in the family and marriage struggles that um, it seemed to be everything happening at once. Mm. But I felt that drove me to God and it's probably it's probably like reading Job. It's not the nicest thing to hear but maybe that's why there's suffering in the world because we it strengthens our relationship with God. Mm. For, for me, anyway, maybe maybe I'm just a rebel. I, I think sometimes <laughs> I need a bit of adversity to um, give me a shake-up and uh, make me realise how much I need God. Yeah, well, we do. We do need to be reminded, don't we? Because as soon as things are going well, we tend to forget that they're going well because of him as well. Mm. You know, if he orders and provides everything, then, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the thank yous start to become a bit thinner on the ground and then we yeah I can I've got this God you can you can handle the big stuff and yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah that's another good point when we're thankful yeah I think that's a blessing to us and God we need to be thankful for for what we're in and remember yeah how much we've got to be thankful for yeah well that that sort of brings us to the idea of almost of of practicing for suffering doesn't it? I mean, if we know that there are times of suffering, then perhaps we should be taking steps to prepare ourselves for those times. That, you know, knowing that we might, it might be so much that we don't want to pray anymore. And understanding, there's really two things here, understanding why that might be. I wanted to ask you about this because I don't know that you'll be able to specifically understand it. But a lot of the Christian women, uh, women who have been believers and gone through an infertility journey, including myself, have mentioned shame. And I've recently spoken to another mum who was actually an atheist up until the point that she conceived. And she said she felt no shame. Well, not, not the same level of shame. And I'm toying with the idea that what we're feeling is not actually shame, it's blame. Hmm. What do you think is the effect when something isn't going the way we want and we're suffering, whether it's actually that we either blame God for it not working or we blame ourselves? So that, that question of what have I done, that's really laying blame, isn't it? Yep. Or what have you done, God? And I, I'm pointing my finger right now, everyone, because it, it suddenly occurred to me that that's, that's accusing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what do you think about the concept of blame when you have when you're bringing something to God? Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it it seems built into us, and maybe it's bred into us from a young age. Um, you know, if we uh, if I do what I'm told, I'll uh, get a reward. I'll mm-hmm. get toys at Christmas, or if I finish the vegetables, I'll get ice cream to schooling if if I read all the books I'll get good grades so if if that's what I truly believe I guess if things aren't going right there's obviously something wrong something to blame mm. but yeah as that makes me remember what Sharon said um quoting that verse from Matthew about the sun shines on the good and the evil mm just seems to be a common experience to all that we will will experience suffering mm. um, and I mean 
I guess there's two types of suffering too. There's there's consequences to actions that maybe we could learn from, mm. but then there just seems to be those that suffering that has no we can't see the purpose in it mm. at the time. It just um, we we want to blame God. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do, or or ourselves, or both. Yeah, I mean, it's in it's right there in Job. They talk about you know these things happen to people who are wicked. And have sinned, you know, Job. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's right there. And, um, yeah, uh, we, we almost can't help ourselves. I wonder if that's the innate evil within us, which, of course, Christ didn't have. Maybe that's why he was so free to pray. If we can put down that blame stick, stop whacking everyone around us with it, then maybe we can pray the way we should when we're suffering. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess pray. Yeah, had, it, I suppose he was praying in faith. He knew God was in control and and just laying it out before his father. Yeah, yeah, submitting still. And so with Sharon's story at the end of that episode, she does quote Job herself when she says, uh, Job 19.25 to 26, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. And that brings us to part two of her story where after the children had been conceived, she was in a position where now resources were quite tight for obvious reasons. Um, and she came to a point where she found it easy to pray because they prayed and they saw miracles were, were her words. But I think also the fact that she was able to quote Job and then, and then lead into the next scripture that she brought, which was Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Her mind, through that experience of suffering, it seems as though her mind had already started to shift. And at this point now, she's going through a different scarcity. She has, she has her family, she has the people that she wanted, but now it's a scarcity of resources. And that seems to have affected a really big change in her heart and the way she viewed things. What do you think is the value of enduring scarcity and coming closer to God and trusting his plan? I guess it's a bit like suffering if um, if it comes to financial scarcity. Um, I need to... I think she mentioned being a bit smarter, but I'm also more likely to, to pray and ask God for help. Right. Um, and I think we... It helps us value what's important in... I'm thinking of relationships as well. Mm. Like I think that um, like digging within ourselves for the resourcefulness and the creativity, yeah, I think spring, brings us closer to those around us and, and to God. Mm. Yeah, seeing what's in your hand, that's what she was talking about, is what can, I, what can I do with this? It was interesting, she tells the story about wanting to go on a holiday and needing to, to, to find a way to do this and then a 50-pound caravan showed up and 50 pounds turned up in, in the post or it, ca it came in in some way and, you know, the two things pointed at each other and this is what you need to do. It was, it, it's a two-way street, isn't it, in that story? Because God said, here's 50 pounds and here's a caravan. 
You put the two together, Sharon, and see <laughs> see what you can do with this. I'm I'm going to give you what you need, and you you go to it. There's a delightfulness there in that God He doesn't, even though He's ordering and providing everything for us, He doesn't take away our own initiative, does He? No. Yeah, well, I guess we've got got free will to choose, and again, I think as a, as a dad, He's wanting us to turn to him and thank him for the blessings that he does provide and, and yeah, use, use the wisdom he's given us to, to do that well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it reminded me of Luke 9.13 when Jesus feeds the 5,000 and he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. I mean, they, they've got these bits of fish and a couple of crusts of bread and, and you know, he, he says, you do it. But he also prays and the miracle occurs. But they're very much a part of it, isn't, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Maybe you're going to get to it soon, but it reminds me of the, the hospitality story where the lady gave, the, that family gave them oranges and bread for lunch. I think that illustrates what you're saying, that if God asks us to do something, it'll work. We, we have to take the initiative. I guess we need to stop making excuses. He'll yeah. provide. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the excuses we make, isn't it? Because Sharon said that, that that lady was from a different culture and she didn't divulge which culture that lady was from. But it does make you wonder <coughs> what it is in our culture that is preventing that because, and I, I don't know if I can speak even for other, other Western cultures, but, you know, in Australia, I wouldn't have thought we were particularly inhospitable as a culture but by the same token I know that people feel very strongly that if you come around for a meal they need to put on you know mm. at least a you know well Christmas at my husband's house for example we've we never have less than three types of meat you know yep. that's kind of crazy <laughs> really isn't it because at yep. the end of the day you're not going there for the food you're going there for the people aren't you we all go Yep. For the relationship. Yes. And I think maybe that is seeking the kingdom of God because God's priority is is people and relationship, isn't it? Mm. Yep, definitely. It's, yeah. I think that's a, a good way to to prioritize is um is is this benefiting relationships. And yeah, I mean that's that's why I think parenting and the family families are so important. Mm. Um it's I think it's a good picture of our relationship with God. Yeah. And do you think, did you find this, once once your children appeared, did you find it easier to pray to God for things that were needed because you needed them, you needed it for them? Yep. I guess, I suppose I'm more praying for them and I suppose uh, while we everyone... The, children were younger and we were tighter financially yeah there was more more prayers for um uh the daily needs um mm. yeah but I, I guess i'm more would be more focused on praying for my children and and their welfare and loving him loving god right yeah that's interesting because that's come up a lot too is what what is our what is our ultimate role as parents and it it becomes very kingdom focused, doesn't it? Because we want, I don't know about you, I, I wonder, I, I've realised 
after various injuries and <laughs> and illnesses and things that came out of left field that my ability to keep them alive, which I thought was my key role <laughs> to protect them, my ability to do that is, is actually significantly limited from what I thought it was. But my ability to influence their value system and their the beginning of their relationship with God and to see what that, to model that, mm. is actually far, a far vaster field for me to be me to be plowing in, you know. Um, what do you think? Do you think that's really our our purpose as parents? Well, I, I think that's the biggest priority we have. I, I can remember coming to that realisation, maybe it was um, when I was a few years into my, because I've changed roles a few times and working in IT now, mm. just trying to come to terms with whether how committed I need to be to climbing to the next level in the role and how much over time I should be doing, I realised that our role as parents is the most important job, I think, in the mm. whole world. So any decision I make shouldn't be denigrating or, or taking away from that role. Right, yeah. Mm. That's priority one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening today. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. In part two of my conversation with Tony, we look back at part three of Sharon's episode. We focus on sharing faith with others and the blessings we can take from family life to enhance our impact in the world. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend, and remember the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.